0: Everything you are looking for in life is found in Christ, and He invites you to come. Come and rest. Come and dine. Come and drink. Come and follow. Come and be blessed.
1: And as always, it is such a blessing to see each and every one of you. I'm glad you're here. And if you're watching us online or on our app or if you're just listening to the podcast, I'm glad that you would choose to be a part of this as well. And I just want to ask all of us at this time if we could grab our Bibles and open them or your Bible app. And we're going to be in the Gospel of John. We're going to pick up in chapter 7. Verse 37, that's where we're going to be today, and you can take notes if you'd like to do that as, as well. And so what we're doing is we're continuing in our, our series that we've entitled The Invitation. And I believe in this is our third week, but what we're doing is just looking at the different invitations the Lord Jesus gave in the, the Bible. It, it appears that Jesus was constantly giving invitations to, to come. You see that in the beginning, in the first four Gospels. You see that in the book of Revelation as well, Jesus inviting people to come to him. And so what we're doing is we're looking at five invitations that, that Jesus gave. We're looking at them, studying them, and, and, and by God's grace, applying them to our, our lives. And I believe we're learning, and we're seeing, and we're growing from all those things. Um, real quick, before we get to the text today, there's a question that, that I have that I want to talk about. It's a, it's a question about invitations. I'm not talking about just necessarily Jesus's invitation. I'm talking about All invitations. I just have a general question about invitations that I was thinking about. Here's the question What is the difference between the person who receives an invitation but does not respond to that invitation and the person who never receives an invitation at all? What's the difference between those two people, right? the person who receives the invitation but doesn't respond, and the person who never receives the invitation at all. What's the difference? Well, practically nothing. Practically nothing, because in the end, they both miss the party or the event. They, they do. That's, that's, that's all invitations. And that principle also applies to Jesus' invitations. You see, simply receiving the invitation... Understanding the invitation is not sufficient. There is no benefit in just receiving an invitation. In order to benefit from the invitation, you have to respond to the invitation. The the, the deal is, is that admiring Jesus or being impressed by Jesus or saying kind things about Jesus is simply not enough to cover a single sin. In fact, the person who simply admires Jesus. Maybe they admire Jesus so much they even join a church and casually attend that church. Maybe they even like Christian music. Maybe if you get in their car and you look at their radio station, you're going to see a a station dedicated to Christian music. Maybe if you go to their social media, you'll see that from time to time they even post a, 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 a scripture or something like that. You might even ask them, are you a Christian? And they would say, self-identify, I am a a Christian. But they have not responded to the invitation. They have not repented of their sins or believed in Christ Jesus for salvation. They've never taken the invitation. Do you know that person in the end is in the same hell as the people who never loved Jesus or known or admired or anything, him at all? There's no difference in the end. No, No difference. The admirer of Jesus who does not take the invitation and the man or the woman who actively worked against Jesus, even hated Jesus, in the end, you don't take the invitation, you don't receive the invitation, there's no difference. So the question today is this. So we're going to go through this invitation. The question is this. Have you responded to the invitation? Maybe you've received it, but have you responded to it and that's what we're looking at today today's invitation is short and sweet and uncomplicated we're really just going to look at two verses I want us to look at it I want us to examine it and my desire is that we would apply it and if you're listening or watching or you're here today and you've never responded to this invitation my prayer is today would be the day of salvation for you let me read, let me read these two verses. Here's the invitation, John seven thirty seven. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of their heart will flow rivers of living water. Right. Simple. Straightforward. As I read this, I think there's four steps that you must take in order to respond to this invitation. Let's look at them, the four steps. Four simple steps, but if you don't do them, you don't take the invitation. First step, step number one. Step number one, according to this text, you must thirst. That's the first step. Let me read verse 37, the first part again. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirst." Let's break this down. I love going word by word, verse by verse, all right? The first part, we're giving a time period. On the last day of the feast, the great day. That gives us some context. The question is, what's going on here? Real quick, um, in Judaism, the Jews, they had many ceremonies and feasts, but there, there's basically three main big feasts. you got Pentecost, you got the Passover, and you got the Feast of Tabernacle, are also called the Feast of Booths. And that's the feast we're talking about right here. This is the Feast of Tabernacle or the Feast of Booths. This feast lasted seven days, a seven-day feast, all right? This is a very big deal. And at this feast, what they were doing is they were celebrating, remembering the 40 years that they had walked in the desert, in the wilderness, and they lived in tents or booths or temporary housing, And they went around the wilderness, and during that time period, God protected them, preserved them, gave them food and drink. In Leviticus 23, God instituted this feast. He says, I want my people to remember my faithfulness. I want my people to remember my goodness. I want them to come together. I want them to celebrate this time, all right? By the way, let me say this. This is a a side note. Isn't it cool that we serve and worship a God who says, hey, I want you to have celebrations. I want you to have feasts. I want you to take delight. Do you know that there's no one more joy-filled than our God? And our God says, I want my people to delight in me so much, I'm going to command it. I'm going to make sure, because you guys... No, that we're gonna we the, the, we'll, we'll, we'll make our schedule so busy that we'll forget to celebrate. God says, no, "I'm gonna put in the Bible. I'm gonna put celebrations in the Bible, and I want my people to come together and I want them to celebrate." But that's the feast we're talking about right here. Okay, that's the feast. But we're told another little clarifier. We're told it's in this feast, but it's on the great day. Okay, that's cool. Which of the seven days was called the great day? Because that's when this invitation is given, all right? The great day was the last day of the seven-day celebration. It was the apex of the feast. Here's what would happen. The priest would go down to the pool of Siloam, and he would have him a little golden pitcher, And he would get to the Pool of Siloam and he would take the pitcher and he would put water in this golden pitcher. Everybody's celebrating. You got the the worship, you got the tambourines, you got the cymbals. And he would walk back to the temple and he would get to the altar and then he would take that water. And by the way, this water is a symbol of all that God had provided for them in the wilderness. And once again, this is all pointing to Jesus, which is really ironic that they're missing it because Jesus Jesus, right there, and it's all pointing to him. But either way, that's, that's really not the point exactly here. Uh, the priest takes that golden pitcher, and he pours it on the altar, all right? That's the great day. That's what's going on here, all right? This is what we're meant to see, guys. This celebration, seven days, apex, last day, priest got the water, priest unpoured poured the water on the altar. Everybody's celebrating. At that very moment, Christ Jesus stands up and cries out. That's what it says. Jesus stood up and cried out. Imagine the scene. Imagine the scene. All right, water just been poured out. It says he cried out. The word in Greek is ekrazina. It means to cry out at the top of your lungs. Full volume. Jesus wants everyone to hear him. Pri- yeah. Priest, altar, water, people going crazy. Jesus says, if anyone thirst," That's dramatic, man. That's dramatic. If anyone thirst the beginning of the invitation. Notice Jesus is not necessarily talking to everyone here. He's talking to a specific group of people, thirsty people, and that's what he says. Hey, you thirsty? You thirsty? I'm talking to you. You're not thirsty? Well, I ain't got nothing for you, but if you're thirsty, Jesus says, I got, I got something for you question is, are are you thirsty? Some people might very well say, I I, I don't know if I'm thirsty. I'm empty. But Jesus is not asking if you're empty. Like, 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 you can be empty and not be thirsty. Like, for example, my car. My car has been empty many times, but it's never once been thirsty. So the question isn't, are you empty? The question is, are you thirsty? Or are you just simply satisfied? Are you content in your current situation? Are you happy with all that you currently have going on in your life? That's it. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? You see, there's many people, you may very well know this, who who aren't thirsty at all. Ah, Some got a shallow thirst, and perhaps they'll get a shallow satisfaction but many are not thirsty at all. Then you go, well, why is, why is that? Why is it that some might not be thirsty? Well, some aren't thirsty because they're filled with the stagnant waters of the world, right? They got their pride. They got their self. They got their worldliness. But here's the truth, and we see it in this verse. Here's what it is. This is a biblical truth. It don't matter if you're thirsty. Maybe you got a little thirst or you got no thirst at all, here's a biblical truth. We all got all that we want. We do. Everyone has as much as they want of God. Like every one of us are walking as close to God as we so desire. Everyone has all that they want. If you don't have more, it's because you simply do not want it, because God has not neglected you. There's none of us going around saying, "Man, I want more, Jesus, but Jesus just he's just aloof. Jesus, Jesus, not, 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 not coming close. Jesus won't give me more. Jesus says, "No, man, you thirsty. Come, I got it. I got I got all I got everything you need to satisfy your thirst. You want more? You can have more. You want more than that? You can have more than that. We all got all we want." Matthew 5, 6 says it like this. Christ says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. question is, are you thirsty? Everyone listening or watching or sitting here has as much Jesus as they want. But thirst isn't enough. You've got to take a second step. What's the second step? Once again, it's... Simple second step, you must come. You got to be thirsty, and then you got to come. Five words, 30, the rest of verse 37. Let him come to me. Here's the deal, man there's some thirsty people out there, but they're not coming to Jesus, right? There's thirsty. There's thirsty people out there going to things other than Jesus to satisfy their thirst, and I've talked about this before. And the crazy thing about those who have a thirst and go to things other than Jesus to satisfy those thirsts are going to things that don't even claim to have the ability to be thirst satisfying. It's, it's a weird deal. And then some people, they say, "I mean, I got a thirst. I got an emptiness. I got. A th- I'm thirsty." So I'm going to go find my satisfaction in something other than Jesus, and that thing doesn't claim to be able to satisfy, and then when that thing doesn't satisfy, they get angry. The thing that never claimed to be satisfying didn't satisfy. It's, it's crazy. It's like, I don't know, it's like, I don't know, it's like maybe going to Pizza Hut and asking for a taco. They got no tacos there, man. The hut don't got no tacos, right? And then get mad. Why don't you got no tacos? We don't have tacos. We don't sell tacos. You, got, you want a taco? You got no business going to Pizza Hut. You thirsty? You want to get satisfied? You got no business going anywhere else other than Jesus because it will not satisfy you. And so you got people going around. now. I don't know. I got some thirst. Let me go get it satisfied in intellectualism. Right? I'm going to learn. I'm going to study. If I know enough, perhaps I will be satisfied others it's activities right activities man if i can do more can generate more busyness and i'll be satisfied work harder a lot of people it's stuff right if i can get more stuff i'm going to be satisfied and you can ask them okay cool great how much more stuff do you need in order to accomplish your satisfaction and their reply will be something like this i don't know i just know it's one more right For some, it's prestige. For some, it's promotion. Some of it's maybe social media. Many people try to find their satisfaction to their thirst in relationships. This guy, that girl, the pleasure, whatever, none of these can satisfy. Why? Because they do not have the ability. They do not have the ability. They do not have the ability. Stop trying to get satisfied in things that cannot and do not even claim to satisfy. Jesus says. What Jesus says. You thirsty? Come to me. That's Jesus. Come to me. Right? Let me remind you. The only qualification you need. Is thirst. You thirsty? Come to Jesus. You don't need morality. You don't need religiosity. You don't need good works. The only qualification is that you are thirsty. And I'll 'll Clear this up real quickly because we struggle with it. Holiness is not the way to Christ, Christ is the way to holiness. All right. This invitation one, you got to be thirsty. I'm not thirsty. Second thing, you got to make you come to Jesus. That's the second step. You can go all sorts of places, not going to satisfy you. You thirsty? Second step, come to Jesus. There's a third step. As I see it in this text, there's a third step. The last two words in verse 37, but step three, you must drink. All right? I think you just read it, two words, and drink. You got to thirst, you got to come, you got to drink. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? How, how do you drink? Well, on a basic level, it means you got to appropriate. You've got to take Him. You've got to receive Him. You've got to make Him your own. You've got to embrace Him. You've got to repent of your sins and call on Him to save you. Sounds simple. But you know, I found that for most people, step three in this invitation is the most difficult, or at least it's the stage that I see most people tap out and drop out. People will say something like this. This is what they'll say one way or another yeah Travis I'm thirsty man I'm thirsty yeah Travis I understand that the answer to my thirst is Christ Jesus but I don't want to drink man I don't want to drink I don't want to repent of my sin I don't want to believe I don't want to cry out for Jesus to save me somehow maybe they they get in their head but it never gets to their heart they never appropriate Christ Jesus but you got to drink. You've got to repent and believe. Um, I was thinking on this, and maybe this is helpful. I, I don't know, but in my life, I have been blessed to travel to many of the great deserts of the world. I enjoy visiting deserts. Um, in North America, I've been to the Sonoran Desert. In Africa, the Sahara Desert. But my very favorite desert in the world is called the Rub al-Khali. Um, well, it's in southern Arabia. It's it's the Empty Quarter. You go Google the Empty Quarter, because I bet we can't spell Rub Khali. It's difficult. It's the desert of deserts. S- especially inhospitable. Um, I'd read about it for years, and and I, and there's some, advent, some 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 explorers that went through it, and I'd read and I read and I went. This is when we lived in East Africa, and a charity knew my wife, and you know, I was like, man, I want to go visit this desert, and so. We took a vacation out to the empty quarter. Once again, flight's cheap, you know what I'm saying? Not a lot of people lining up to go out there, but um, we, we fly out there and get a car, and we get a driver, and they drive us out there. and We're walking around, and it's hot, man. You know, deserts deserts are hot, man, and, and uh, we're walking around. And true story, man, as we're walking, Charity looks at me, and she goes, Travis, my shoes are melting. I'm like, what do you mean your shoes are melting? My shoes are melting. Look, they're like all gooey and stuff. We're on sand, man. I'm like, well, perhaps we need to get in the car. But here's the deal in every desert I've ever been into, you always have more than enough water to drink. You always bring in water. Only a fool will go into a desert without water. Right? It'd be crazy. It'd be crazy. It'd be crazy. So let's suppose this. Let's suppose that you went out to the empty quarter and you didn't bring water with you. And maybe you've been there several days and you're dehydrated and your tongue is dry and your mouth is parched, your lips are cracked, and you're perishing because you don't have water. And you know you need water. Nobody's got to explain to you what water is. You know what water is. Nobody has to tell you that you are thirsty. You know that you are thirsty. And then like a mirage, maybe... Someone comes out, and they got a tall glass of water. Maybe they even put an ice cube in that water. Maybe this glass of water's even got some trickles of water running down the side of it. It's tall, it's cool, it's clear, it's sparkling, it's life-sustaining, life-saving. And there it is, you got the glass of water. And suppose the bearer of the water looks at you and says, I brought this for you. You can have this water. Here it is, and I'm thirsty, and you go to them, and you look at them, and you say, I don't want to drink it. Who would do that, right? Who would do that? Who, who, who would be in that situation, see the glass of water, the man holding the glass of water, go up to the glass of water and say, I know I need it. I've come to the person who has this water. It's been offered to me, but I dare not drink it. Who would do that? It's crazy. But yet, that's what many do with Christ. Knowing they need it, they don't drink. And you can be thirsty all day long. You can even come to Jesus, but if you do not drink If you do not take him by faith, if you do not appropriate him, assimilate him, believe, receive, I don't care what you call it. If you don't repent and believe, it makes no difference at all that you're aware of your thirst. There comes a time when you got to D R I N K D-R-I-N-K drink. You've got to repent and believe. If you don't do that, if you have not done that, you have not taken that invitation. I don't care how much you know. I don't care how much you do. I don't care if you're a member of this church. I don't even care if I baptized you. I ain't going to say nobody. I don't say nobody, 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 nobody. You got to repent and believe. It's pretty straightforward. Final thing this verse teaches us is step four. You must overflow told you man simple man you thirst you come you drink you overflow let me read verse 38 whoever believes in me that's that's open up dude that's open up that's whoever you thirst you come you drink As the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. In other words, those who repent and believe, living water will come up out of them. They will be refreshing. That is amazing. This this whole verse is amazing. (laughs) But it's also interesting. Jesus quotes scripture here. I love it when Jesus quotes scripture. He goes whoever believes in me and then he says as the scripture has said he's quoting scripture out of the heart will flow rivers of living water Okay, Jesus quoting scripture here's the interesting thing Um, that verse isn't in the Bible you can look all day long it's not in the 39 books of the Old Testament it's not there. That specific verse is not there. So my question is why Jesus quoting scripture when it's not in the Bible. Here's the deal. Here's what I believe. Here's what I've concluded. Here's what I've seen. Jesus is not quoting a specific text there. He's actually quoting three and he's brought them together. Proverbs 11, Ezekiel 47, Zechariah 13 all say the same thing. If you put them together God saves you. God indwells you. God's people, living water comes out of them. Will. If you got your Bible, circle that. Will. Not might. Not sometimes. Not occasionally. But will. When God saves you, God the Spirit indwells you, and the result is you're a new creation, and that new creation is marked by rivers of living water flowing out of you. That means, according to this text, That the normative mark of a Christian is living water is flowing out of them. That's a normative trait. That's what this text says. The normal Christian has living water flowing out of them. So I go back to this question for myself, and and I guess all of us, it would be this. Are you normal? Are you a normal Christian? Some people will say something like this. I don't know if I'm a normal Christian Christian but I'm average. But that's not the question. The question is, are you a biblically normative question? Because I, Christian? Because what I have seen, what I have discovered, is that the average Christian is often not a normal Christian. In fact, I have seen the average Christian is often sub-normal, biblically. There's a difference between average and normal. The average Christian is defined in the Bible. I mean, the normal Christian—the normal Christian is defined in the Bible. The average Christian is defined by cultural Christianity, but the biblically normative Christian, this text says, is marked by rivers of water flowing, living water flowing out of them. So, according to this verse, a biblically normative Christian is a Christian who is not simply having their spiritual needs met, but they are in return meeting the needs of others spiritually. According to this, that's the normative behavior of a biblical Christian. It's it's not a Christian who says, I want my needs met, I want my thirst catered to, I want my preferences prioritized. I'm I'm going to find a church that prioritizes my preference. That's not the mark. The mark of a normative biblical Christian is that we refresh others. We are special blessings to others. And I could say, do you you know people like this? I think you would all say, yeah. You, You know, Christians, that when you hang out with them, you are just refreshed? They're not perfect? Yeah. Well, you say, I get that Travis, man, I get that. But I'm not gifted. I don't have a lot of ability. You don't have to, man. Um, see that baptistry over there? Do you know that that baptistry can be filled with a thimble of water? It can, if that thimble overflows. You know what I mean? It can. If that thimble overflows, it will fill that baptistry. So no, you do not have to be big. You don't have to be great, intelligent, or have a high position. You just got to let Christ flow out of you, man. You got to let Christ Jesus flow out of you. That is the mark according to this verse of the normative Christian. We're not perfect by no means. I've got such a unique position up here looking at all of you because I see a lot of people who refresh me, and I thank you for that. Let's get back to where we started. I said earlier, what's the difference between a person who receives an invitation but does not respond and the person who never receives an invitation at all? And I said, nothing, nothing, because they both miss, miss the event. So the question today is this, have you responded To Christ Jesus' invitation. Four steps. Four simple, four simple steps. One, you gotta thirst. You thirsty? Two, you gotta come to Jesus, not the world, to Jesus. Three, you gotta, you gotta drink. You gotta repent and believe. And finally, that's gonna result in step four. It just happens. You must overflow. That's the normative Christian. We don't just receive, we also give. That's the invitation.
0: Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast